Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And we're back. I love that tune, by the way. That Beethoven guy, he was okay, Tim, don't you think? Fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy conducting the orchestra I love that guy. No question about it. Great stuff. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My favorite son-in-law and business partner, Mr. Kirk Reed, is attending via Zoom because he's a little under the weather. You're still there, right? I'm still here. All right. That's a good thing. Okay. And we have a caller, so let's go to Sharon in Duxbury. Good morning, Sharon. How are you today? Thank you. All right. I just want somebody to verify this for me, and maybe you have that information, maybe you don't. The Silicon Valley Bank had been on for a year, have been put on notice that the regulators do not do not feel as though they had enough money and that the president of the bank about three weeks before collapse withdrew his money or got his money sold his stock. I have read several articles saying both of those things. I believe they're correct, yes. Okay, and I have heard it like the day it went on from our investor and said that you don't want to be here because they've been notified and they're ignoring the FDIC or the Fed. I didn't say that again. You saw that on TV or somebody announced that? No, I, somebody, I was talking to a, an investment person. Yeah, and okay. They had heard it, so why didn't the government hear it? I'm that's, a, gov- that's a really, really good question. Uh, by the way, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Okay, I think the government's just dumb. But by the way, what, one other thing that absolutely blew my mind. So yeah. the president of Silicon Valley Bank, by the way, he was on vacation in Hawaii now. Okay, n- n- not only did he sell a bunch of stock bef- a day or two before the things created, what's worse is he sits as a governor on the Federal Reserve Board in San Francisco in California. He's in a position of authority. He does anymore. He resigned. But so you can presume what you want from there. But if the boss man's on the Federal Reserve governors, maybe stuff happened we didn't want to talk about. But I I think it's quite suspicious was the way I would say that. I would agree with your take on that. Okay, thank you. Alrighty. By the way, how do you think the world's coming to an end? Are you okay with money in the bank? Well, I got you here or what? Yeah, I'm fine. We'll be fine short term. Listen, thanks for the call, Sharon. Appreciate that. I know. All righty. Let's see here. So here's my, I'm going to start off with a government rant here. So here's my take on how our governments work in general, which is unfortunate. So they make laws. They make lots of them. Okay. They make too many. Okay. They never get rid of old ones that are out of date. And if you have eight gazillion laws, it's really tough to enforce all of them. So that's never ever going to happen. And what you do is, at any given moment, depending on who's in office, what Congress we have, we pay more attention to enforcing slum laws than others because we have to prioritize. I understand that, but that's how it is. We can't, we can't monitor every regulation and law we ever made, but we love making them anyway. The thing, right? So we make laws, okay? We don't have enough support, staff, money 
to monitor and regulate and keep an eye on all those things. We, we, we just don't have the money. Okay, so whenever it hits the fan or in general, either you try to make the government bigger by hiring more people, yet more taxpayer dollars at work, okay, or there's less and less law, laws you can enforce. If they make more and you have the same amount of people or less, what happens? That, By the way, it works for states and it works for towns as well to, to a smaller degree. Okay, so, so there, there's a, you can't be surprised that there's a lack of enforcement. Okay, yeah, maybe there's some collusion from time to time, but I think it's just not enough horsepower to do that. Okay, when things blow up and they blow up all the time, that's just part of the deal. Okay, we play the blame game. Okay, what politician ever stood up and said, I made a, we made a big mistake. We should be doing this, that, or the other thing. I'm sorry. I was involved. I was as responsible. We're going to try to fix it. Give us a break. Let us get to work on it. But I'd like to hear that from every politician on the planet. When was the last time? No, we play the blame game. People pound the table and go chase the, the, the bank president. Yep, as it should be. And people pound the table and say the stockholders should be pounded. As it should be. But, you know, how do you fix it? Not by making government bigger or making more laws and looking like you're doing something. I don't know how you fix it. Maybe you trust people a little bit more and get a little bit less complicated, but whatever. Okay. So it's bigger government, less enforcement. Okay. And then, so here's the problem. Okay. We just throw money at things and think that we can fix them. Okay. We've thrown 32 trillion dollars worth of money at things. Kirk, about a week and a half ago, I'm going to say a number that's pretty close. We can take care of that $32 trillion deficit, Kirk. Oh, you know how we can do yeah. that? Okay, everybody in America has to write a check for $96,000 to the government. Everybody in America has to write a check for $96,000 to the government, and then we're good, okay? Okay. Uh, anyway, that so... That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, so when you print money... Okay, bad things happen. Like we, we'll get into that very shortly. But the bottom line is we've got a whole bunch of inflation out there. Okay, Inf if you continue to print money, and inflation is going to be scary. We're trying to control it now. Okay, Kirk, what, did you have a chance to see that little text I sent you a few minutes ago? Oh, okay. Uh, no, okay. I did not. Yeah, I hope this never ever happens. But w while I'm chewing here and jawboning, I will. Uh, yeah, I saw it now. Yeah, check that and get back to me. Interrupt me when you find that number. But I'm just trying to make a point. Okay, so as a country. Yeah, we're the greatest country on earth, but we got a financial problem. And if we keep thinking we're the greatest country on earth, but not be mindful of that and not be careful, that might not work sort of a thing. So there's been a bunch of other countries in history that defaulted, went into bankruptcy, and bad times erupted as a result of that. That'll never happen in the U.S. If we have $32 trillion that we don't have a prayer of paying off, okay, how do they, and we're borrowing $1.5 trillion more than we actually have every year, how does that end? You, people can't live like that. You can't spend more than you earn. You can't not pay your mortgage on your property. Okay, pe people have to be financially responsible. Com companies have to be financially responsible. Governments should be financially responsible. That's not going on, okay? And so I'm not worried about this week or next week. Yeah, the banks are going to get bailed out and this problem will go away. But sooner or later, something bad's going to happen if we don't get a handle on our own finances. You, you can't print money into oblivion and assume that's going to be okay. You can't, you can't do it, okay? All right. You, what, so what you, you, asked me about, you asked me about inflation. And, yeah. and so I looked up inflation in Brazil. Yeah. So, like, historically... It was floating around somewhere between two and four percent, like before 2020. That's good. And then, and then in 2021, 
2022, it jumped all the way up to like 12. Okay. I'll try Argentina, by the okay. way. Try Argentina for a second. Okay. And while he's talking, my, my point is, no, we don't have any, sh we have short-term problems, but we're building a really big long-term one, and we really should start paying attention to that. That's where I'm going with that. Okay. Anyway, let's see what else we're talking about. Yeah, so every time you bail out a poor bank, you're sending a message. Okay. If you're a business... Oh, oh, okay. Well, now I, I should. Now I see, okay. Now I see if you're looking. Yes. All right. Go it was, for it. It's much worse. I was like, well, that's high, but it's right. one of those two countries. Pardon me. I've never been there. But anyway. All right. Argentina is looks like they're having a little a bigger problem. Yeah. They're they're at they're they've gone over a hundred percent. All right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I they were yeah. Last let's see. So like a year ago, they were at fifty percent, which is obviously still terrible. Yeah. But now they're at a hundred percent. How do you think those poor, literally poor folks in our in Argentina are doing these days with their irresponsible government folks? That's my question for you. And anyway, okay, if you're a person or a company, let me see. You have to live within your means, which means spend less than you earn. You have to be financially responsible. Okay, if you're a company you have to stay in business and take care of the people that are your clients with your, either by producing good goods or doing services, okay? And if you can't, you're out of business. If, if people can't do that, they go into bankruptcy. If you're a company, you can't do that, you're going to bankruptcy, you go out of business, okay? That's the way things are in a capitalistic world. I'm going to spend some time now on capitalism, folks. Okay, many people are reading recently that's a bad thing, capitalism. I'm sorry, I have a big problem with that, okay? Capitalism is profit, make, making profit, doing things with money, okay? Let's see. It's Capitalism is like evolution, okay? Only the fittest survive, and the, and the ones that didn't, if they couldn't make it, they shouldn't be here and they shouldn't be supported, okay? If you have a company, okay, that can't make it, what do you do? Continue to support it forever? By the way, some countries do that just to keep the country companies going so that people can be employed, okay? It's, it's capitalism as a natural thing, okay? We make progress. Let's see. How come we have cars? Because companies have incentive to build them to make profits to make cars. How come we have better cars? How come all the things that we enjoy and the quality of life that we have has been brought to you by capitalism. Yes, we can get a little carried away with capitalism. And yeah, if we leave things alone, there'll be just one rich guy and everybody else in the world will be poor. I get that. But you know what, folks? We, we got to where we were because people and companies have incentive to do things and make things better because they make money doing that, folks. And it's, it's, hopefully it'll ne never be illegal. But anyway, so <laughs> hope, okay. They're going to... <laughs> They're going to make capitalism illegal? I certainly hope not, Kirk. We're Boy. all in trouble if that's the case. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, it, so my point is there are some banks that should fail. Okay, it, what a deal to have a business where the government guarantees some of your business. What a deal. Okay, and yet they screw that up. Okay, so my point is companies fail and people get laid off. We have protections for that, hopefully. But new companies create all the time. Think of the industries that exist now that didn't exist 10 years ago. Influencer, I still don't know exactly what an influencer is, but they're on TikTok or someplace like that and people are tuning in and sending the money or something. I don't know. But my point is that things are always changing. 
okay? And people need to make livings doing things, and it's perfectly okay to do that, but not everybody makes it, and we need to get used to that sort of thing. If Japan did that for years, they supported a bunch of ghost companies that weren't making any money just to keep people employed. I'm pretty sure a lot of other nations in the world are doing that too. Uh, ultimately, a company's got to stand on its own two feet, be profitable and be okay. If they're not okay, that's unfortunate. Where does it say everything in your life is guaranteed in any country in the world sort of a thing? So I just, capitalism is how we got that way, okay? And bad things happen to some companies. If people were more responsible, we might be a little bit better off, okay? If a bank didn't have the government guarantees, maybe they'd be more careful about matching up their liabilities, okay, and their assets. Maybe they'd have a bit more diversified loan portfolio than they have because of that. I think you have to be weary about the word guarantee because let's face it, nothing is guaranteed and people have to live their lives paying attention to their finances. I think the government is kind of getting us into some, what's the word I'm looking for? Com complacency about our financial affair. We don't think too much about things and that that's just a bad thing. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So let's think about some history here. Okay. You weed out the poorly run companies because they shouldn't be here because they're charging higher prices or they're making shoddy products. Why support them? Okay. We don't see that in terms of banks, but that's how it works. All right. So some recent history. So 2007 to nine, the is there still a name for that? The Great Financial Mess? What are they calling whatever happened? I think it was, what was it, the Great Recession? Is yeah, we, no, I forget. What, anyway, it was a financial mess. Okay, yeah. so, so let's see. So what's happening in 2007, 8, 9? Okay, so right after it fell apart and we had defaults and all kinds of stuff, bad stuff going on, the government lowered interest rates. Okay, folks, when the government lowers interest rates, money is cheaper to borrow, okay? And that that low those lower interest rates started helping businesses and people live their lives better because they didn't have to pay as much for money. That's a good idea, okay? And so that helped clean up that 2007, 8, 9 mess. Mostly, that was the government response, okay? So let me think about this. So money's cheaper. It's easier to get what are we going to do with it? Oh, let's go buy a new bigger home or let's go buy some stocks or let's go buy some bonds, okay? The prices of stocks, okay, went through the moon, okay, since 2007. Now, we had a bull market that ran literally until 2020 for all practical purposes. Why? Maybe it went a little higher than it should have because a whole bunch of people had cheap money and they decided to go into the stock market. By the way, they did the same thing with real estate. What happened to real estate prices, okay, since then and now, given the circumstances? Whenever there's a lot of money floating around, it's got to go someplace. And by the way, what happened is we built up a couple of asset bubbles. That's a great term, okay? Certainly in real estate, in stocks. Look at the prices of homes these days, folks. Just think about that, okay? So interest rates are going down. We just can't get enough of a good thing, okay? So we have COVID. And what does the government do with COVID? They rightfully do some things to fix the problem. They lower interest rates more. They threw $6 trillion at COVID that we haven't paid back yet, okay? And they gave away free money to a whole bunch of Americans for a whole bunch of years. So guess what? Money's even cheaper, okay? And it's free. Where's that going and what's happening? Are, are we surprised 
we have inflation. People have all this money. Okay, they're giving, they're handing out free money to folks or cheap money. And meanwhile, the whole manufacturing world is going backwards because of the supply chains. Let's see, not as many goods and stuff, more and more money. Let me think about this. What happens? Ah, we have inflation. Prices go higher and get stupid. Okay, so let me be clear, folks. The government did a good thing in short-term bailing out the mess in 2007-89. Maybe they should have stopped at somewhere along the line and then throw COVID in there. That that didn't help the the problem either. And so all of a sudden, in the last couple, how long did I say this, Kirk, before it happened? We had the highest price, the stock market was an all-time high, the bond market was an all-time high, and the real estate market was an all-time high in the last couple of years. Hello, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong is getting shaken out right now, given the circumstances. Okay, so the Fed says, wait a minute, we got runaway inflation, it's 9%. Hello, Argentina, 9%. By the way, inflation will take care of itself. If things become more expensive, what are people going to do? How about not buy as many of them? Okay, how about starting to do, go shop at more, more, less, less expensive goods and services? Inflation, if you leave it alone, people will fix it because people figure that out sort of thing. But no, we got to take care of that. So the government starts raising interest rates to fight inflation. So when you raise interest rates, it costs more to borrow money. When you raise interest rates, tech companies have to pay more money to buy, to, to run their businesses as they go to the bank and do a run on Silicon Valley Bank. Okay, but raising interest rates will ultimately slow inflation. It would have slowed by itself naturally. I'm pretty comfortable with that. But in the meantime, what do they do? When you raise interest rates, bad for stocks, crash. By the way, bad for bonds. We had bond. We had the worst year for bonds ever in U.S. history last year, folks. The U.S. bond market was down about, what was that, 15, 16, 18%, Kirk? I forget the exact number, but no. worst year. What what bonds can go down? Oh, yeah, you, you bet your you, you bet your rear end you can, as they do. We have a bond market crash, a stock market crash, and real estate's not too no exciting these days given the prices are going backwards. Okay, so now... You're putting people out of business. Companies, if you raise interest rates, unemployment is going to go higher. So I'm just saying the government should step in and help, but they go a little too far sometimes and don't know that. And the only time, okay, that they start to correct it is when something bad happens and they got to start rethinking things. They're probably, let me take a wild guess here, folks. The Federal Reserve has been on this mission to raise interest rates to a certain point to kill inflation down to 2%. Look what happened. They did. They helped a bank crisis. All those government bonds that banks have in the country, they're all worth less than they bought them for. They got negative numbers on their balance sheets. Let me think about that. So that's a result of the Federal you. You solve one problem, you create another, you try to keep things in balance. But we just, we're just we just crisis-oriented. But I'm sorry you can blame the government for part of the bank crisis. They raised interest rates quickly. I would say, like certain financial advisors we know, you try to take some precautions about what's going to happen with interest rates and maybe make some bets. Some of the smartest banks in the world, they couldn't figure out that interest rates are going to go higher. They couldn't figure out that... <clears throat> Maybe we should buy those really short-term treasuries, even though they don't pay much, because we might get ourselves in trouble if interest rates go. There's a whole lot of bright people that, that work in banks. What's wrong with this picture? I don't know. But anyway, the, so the, the, the government to bail out 
is great. Okay, but most of the time, if they left things alone, it would settle themselves out naturally because that's how economies work, at least in a free country. But no, okay, so think about that. That's the cycle. So interest rates, my my, my bet is they're going to stop raising interest rates pretty soon. And Kirk, I bet should they start lowering them? I don't know. What do you think about that? <coughs> I looked, number one, I looked up I looked up the bonds for last year. So for calendar year 2022, the yeah. U.S. bond aggregate was down 15%. Yeah, and I'll bet you, I don't know what the 30-year bond did last year, but I'll bet you it was down 18 or 20, okay, yeah. last year as well. But anyway, folks, bonds can lose money too. But by the way, I'll leave that alone. Anyway. The other thing I was thinking about, like how you're talking about, we always talk about like how the stock market overcorrects, right? It goes too high. Always, we get too crazy. Yep. It goes too high and then it overcorrects the wrong way. It doesn't go up on a straight line and same thing happens with what, whatever the government does. Yep, yep. They wait too long to, to fix it and then they overcorrect it and it, it's there's no... You can't just go easy or steady, or like you said, let things work out, let them work out on their own. Yeah, we want to protect everybody and guarantee everything, and you can't do that. It's not a perfect world, folks. Okay, some people are going to get hurt. You can't protect everybody, but I don't want to get any further along that line, but that's just how the, nothing is guaranteed in your life. Get over that. Take care of your own self and your own family. See, you asked about interest rates maybe yeah. coming back down. Yeah. I, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Some, sometime they come back down, but... But you think that's on the not too far horizon? A little side wager after the show on that, Kirk? Well, okay. <laughs> who, who knows? Okay. Anyway, so folks, in a couple of minutes, we're going to take a break. And then we're going to get to the what should you be doing and how should you be thinking about this. But before we take a break, let me do the grand summary so far. Short term, we're going to be fine. The bank thing is not a contagion. The world is not coming to an end. Okay, short term, this will get over because we overreact to everything in this country. By the way, whenever the stock market crashes or booms, it's pretty simple. A whole bunch of people are overreacting. They're getting way too excited about stuff or they're getting way too depressed about stuff. So write this down. This will get resolved. It'll calm down eventually. Okay, or if we do go to Armageddon, having money in the bank and in treasuries isn't going to help you folks so get over that so this will get over okay these short-term messes get cleaned up okay because they had to because they had to react to something that they didn't really give a thought about i suppose if you have a a new regime every four years it's tough to have a long-term plan okay in this country okay but basically that that's how it works okay and we, what do you do about that you don't get real comfortable or complacent about the word guarantee. I'm going to hop on that in detail here in a little while. Okay. And you, you pay attention to your finances. If you go put your money in your bank, they have public documents and say what their liabilities and assets are. There are a report. That's a lot of work. Yeah, then go hire somebody that will do that for you in terms of a financial advisor. But we have to be responsible for our money, and we shouldn't be too comfortable with guarantees. And I'll expound upon that when we come right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My uh, co-host, sidekick, and favorite son-in-law, Kirk Reed, is with me this morning remotely because he's a little under the weather. He's still there, right? 
I'm here. That's a good thing. But this Zoom stuff is better than the telephone, Kirk. I like this. It's working okay. <laughs> it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Technology's great when it works. All right. It sure is. All right. So, folks, what do you do with your bank money? Okay. Yep. You're insured in a bank up to $250,000 of stuff. Okay, I don't think it's a good idea to keep more than that in a bank. I, I might be biased because I manage money for a living, but yeah, it's not insured. Although it might be someday, and that's a whole other story. So that, okay, if you if you pay attention, if you walk into a bank today, the average bank savings rate in America is less, a little less than a quarter of a percent. Let's call it a quarter of a percent. And the average, and if you put money in the bank and got a thirty-year mortgage the same day. They pay you a quarter of a percent, and the mortgage is almost 7%. Okay, I'm thinking that's a pretty good business given the circumstances. Okay, okay, because banks have been still recovering from the 2007, 8, 9 mess, and because they're going to start recovering from this mess too, I'm not thinking that what they're paying you on your interest is going up very much, regardless of what happens to the interest rates. It certainly hasn't. By the way, so that average bank... Okay, savings account, 0.24, average 2.8, no, 2.4, and the average bank money market account, less than a half a percent. I'm looking at Yahoo Finance this morning, 13-week treasury bill, 4.29%. Hello? Okay. Yes, it's guaranteed, and it'll be okay this week, unless we get into Armageddon sort of a thing. But anyway, f folks, t take a look. At, you just keep the 250 in there. Do you know what you're earning? Okay. If you, by the way, folks, if you have brokerage statements with investments, they usually have a money market fund connected with that brokerage statement. Check out the yield, folks. You might be really surprised about what you're getting paid. Okay. So checking emergency, keep emergency reserves, whatever you need there. If you need 50,000 or 100,000 just to feel good in life and you don't want to spend it, great place. Bank, guaranteed no risk. But I'm sorry, you could earn a whole lot more money with not quite as much risk, a little bit more risk in a money market fund. I don't know how... Okay, so I opened up a, an account in a local bank lately, and I, it, was, it was interesting. I, the bank had a checking account, and I could sign up for savings, or I could sign up for a money market account. Okay, and so I needed a checking account. I'm not thrilled about the savings and have a money market account that's paying a fairly decent rate. Okay, so it's funny. I went to the, with my, char, my bank card the first time to deposit to money, and I could deposit it in my checking account, but I couldn't deposit it in my money market account. Oh. I could deposit it in a savings account. Okay, so the money market fund is not wrapped into the same wires, okay, as the savings account. I have a checking a savings account, Kirk, sort of a thing, yeah. and they're connected. Okay, they're connected for a reason because the savings pays less, <laughs> or the bank makes more in the savings. If you have a money market at the bank, it may well still be insured, okay, but the bank doesn't make as much money on a money market fund as they do, as a savings account. Yeah, and I have to walk into the bank if I want to directly put money in my money market account because I can't do it electronically. L little hint there. If you're in the bank, pay attention to what's going on. A any money that, that's above 250 in the bank, I got to wonder what you're doing with it. To be perfectly honest with you folks, I, you know, what with current rates these days, why do you have that much money? Are you afraid the stock market's going to go to zero? Not, never has. So, I don't know. Okay, if you have money that you you call safe, whether it's really safe or not, we could debate that. But treasury bills are paying 4%, 3.5% right now. 
okay, the thing. Might take a little bit more work to go buy your own treasuries or, okay, if you have a financial advisor, there are investments that can buy bunches of treasuries and they're modestly priced and you could probably get a pretty good deal. N- no more than 250 I'd question if, you, if most people need 250 versus whatever, that's their own choice and comfort level. If it's more than 250 do something else, like a second bank or a third bank or a fourth bank or whatever. It gets a little confusing, but that's probably what you should be doing. Please don't be fooled by the word guarantee. It'll work most of the time. It won't work if the world comes. I'm in the bank because the world's coming to an end and the stock market's going to zero. Folks, if the world comes to an end, it ain't going to work. Okay, they don't. The government doesn't have enough money t- to bail us all out of all of our money tomorrow afternoon. That's just how it is. Okay, I said this earlier in the show, but just in case you tuned in, I'm going to give this example again. Okay, again, we're okay short term, long term, we're going to be in a pickle if we're not careful. So here's the deal: let's pretend you are a banker. I'll do this a little bit differently this time. So you're the bank. Am I the banker? Yeah, Kirk, you be the banker. You're the banker. Right. Okay. And I walk what, in and say to you... What can I do for you? Okay, I, I need a loan. Okay. And, and you're going to say, what do you, what's your financial situation? And I'll say, I owe $32 trillion. And by the way, rates are going higher. So the interest I pay on that $32 trillion is getting bigger every year. Even if I didn't add to it, because rates are going higher. So I, I owe $32 trillion. And last year, I went a little over budget. I spent $1.4 trillion more than I had just to live my life. But I like a loan. I would say, what do you do for a living? N- nothing. I, 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 make lo- I make laws, okay, is what I do oh, for a living. Yeah. And I regulate the country. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there's a pretty good chance, folks, that, that guy's not getting, or that gal's not getting a loan, okay? And there's a pretty good chance if you were to actually rate credit rating for that guy. By the way, most of all the rating services like Moody's and stuff, we have financial security rating services in our world and like the U.S. government's AAA rated securities. That that guy is a AAA rating, Kirk, okay, in the financial world. Okay. Huh, bigger. Yeah. By the way, if they have the credit score, I wish they could apply a credit score. It's got to be negative. Whatever. But anyway, so folks, th- that person is guaranteeing your money at the bank. Okay, and might guarantee all of your money at the bank someday down the road. And by the way, they're guaranteeing the treasury bills and the treasury bonds that you own. Okay, and yeah, that, that's the backup for your guarantee, folks. I just want to be clear about that. What do you do, put the money under a mattress? No, but how about you be mindful of that, be mindful of how much you give them, and maybe pay a little bit more attention about other things you might do with your money, because maybe that throws a new kind of level of perspective on owning five or 600 of the biggest companies in America versus that guy in the bank with a 30. Just maybe things aren't as risky other places as you might think in comparison. That's all. So it's just a wake-up call. Okay, let's see here. So we're going to be okay. Oh, yeah, so federal budget, Kirk. Here we go. 2023 federal budget. Okay, Medicare, 26% of expenses. Social Security, 21% of expenses. Defense, 14% of expenses. Of the expense pie in 2023 budget, 61% of the money, Medicare, Social Security, and Defense. That mm. never changes, and they get bigger every year. 
Okay, so by the way... It never, what do you mean it never, it never changes? Those are always the three biggest? Yeah, those are always the three biggest. First two are called entitlement programs. They'll never shrink because we got way too many people voting to keep them. Okay, and defense gets the money because I'm sorry. I'm, all, I'm good with that. Okay, I don't want anybody invading this country. So far, so good. So anyway, so my point is 61% of the expenses that the government has, are, that only leaves 39% unless I miss my guess. Oh, by the way, right now, today, 10% of that budget is the interest on the $32 trillion. I think it's $750 billion or some number. So, by the way, 10% of our federal budget pays the interest on the money we borrowed. I don't know what that was five or ten years ago, but it was smaller. Just, Folks, by just, the and that's just the interest. That's just the interest. And by the way... That's as a result of the benefit of lowering interest rates. If I was the government, I'd keep the interest rates pretty low forever. They raise interest rates, they pay more money on the debt. Hello? What's wrong with this picture? But anyway, so let how me much, think. How much money is going towards principal? Yeah, well, I, and, and how about none? Okay, none. I, that's my guess, none. Anyway, so let me think. 61% Medicare, Social Security, okay, and defense. Add another 10, 71% budget. Interest. By the way, so that only leaves 29% for everything else. For fun stuff. For what? For fun stuff. Yeah, for fun stuff. Oh, grants and and roads, okay, and bridges going across the Cape Cod Canal or whatever, okay? So write this down, folks. 29% of the federal budget, which was $1.4 trillion over budget, over expenses, goes to all the other stuff that we enjoy. So here's a question. So if that 10% on the, expend, on the interest goes to 15%, we don't have 29% anymore. We have 24 Hello, folks. Okay, the four big pieces of the federal budget are 71% of all the money they spend. And because of that interest on the federal deficit, it's going to climb and climb. What's the reason? How do you fix that? Well, you print, print more money until it blows up and goes to hell. Okay. <laughs> Or we just have a whole lot of inflation, okay? Or we don't get bridges across the Cape Cod. The government, the only place that they can cut right now is that 29% of everything else. When does the government ever cut anything? In our lifetime, what politician has ever set up and said, instead of saying, I'm going to give you some money, I'm going to get elected because I'm going to take some money away from you or, or make your expenses more. What, what, what politician? I've never heard that. How does that work? Okay. So, folks... Okay, is this going to blow up tomorrow? I sure as hell hope not. But when? When do you get the reconciliation of all that? I don't know. Okay, we have enough time to maybe fix it, but I don't think we have the resolve. And we go from crisis to crisis. And these are little ones. I am by nature a positive person, but it's really hard to feel comfortable for my kids and my grandkids when I look at these numbers and think about what's going down. Okay, 29% of federal spending comes to the rest of us outside of Medicare and Social Security. Okay, th- think about the things that we get as a result of that. You know, we get national parks, we get bridges, we get roads, we get the, uh, zid- the government grants to do this program and that program. Yeah, the, assist, the funding, yeah all the whatever assistance. Yeah, the, the food, the kids yeah. at school lunch program, Programs, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw, and I saw they were, I think I just read that they were reducing food, the food program. Well, hey, uh, that must be a hard decision. I don't know. Uh, anyway, they, 
That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to run for Congress and just run on a, we're going to cut expenses and live financially responsible. I think that campaign lasts about a week, right? Something I don't like think, that. Yeah. I don't think that would uh, sell. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. But, but folks, that's, that's just the math. Okay. So how do you solve that? We solve that by just printing more and more money. Okay. Hey, we, we have this thing called the gross domestic product in this country. And maybe the best way to describe that is like a charge card. Okay. So I got this charge card. Okay, and I have a char- I have a limit on this charge card. My limit's forty five thousand dollars. It's a pretty good size limit. That's because my income, according to the credit card company, is enough to that I can charge up to forty five thousand dollars worth of stuff without not being a problem. They figure I can pay that back. Okay, thing. Okay, because my income says I can do that. The gross domestic product, GDP, is the income for the country. And as long as your income is bigger than your expenses, you can pay your bills. Our gross domestic product about 10 years ago, don't quote me on this exactly, was 60, our number was 60%. In other words, we had 40% slough. Our gross domestic product right now is 100, and our expenses are 120% of our gross domestic product. We are earning less than we're spending. That don't get smaller, folks, over time. Sort of a thing. So our GDP okay, number, okay, just went over the magic. It's just like cash flow. We have positive cash flow, negative cash flow, and break-even cash flow. We have negative cash flow as a country, okay? We have n- never in our country's history had that until about two or three or four years ago. And the projections are it ain't getting better, folks, okay? So I don't know, okay? Anyway, explain that okay, Kirk? Any comments on that or... Yeah, yeah. So you're saying so, and do they? And when they look at the ratings, you know, yeah. mentioned about how they rate government bonds. It's just a, it's just a scam. You said that you said they rate them triple A, right? Yeah, check Moody's or check S and P for U.S. government securities. But their cash flow is negative. Uh yeah. I don't know how that works. But yeah, by the way, I just read this morning. I, this bank thing is fascinating. I could write a book. Okay, so the Moody's. Okay, one of our financial ratings agencies. Up until the day that SV. B, Silicon Valley Bank crash, they had them rated as A. Out of, they have nine ratings from AAA, single A, all the way down to forget about it, you're, out of, you're in trouble. They were rated as an A bank the day before they claimed. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah. Apparently, Moody's doesn't have enough regulators to check on them either or something. I don't know. This day of technology, I can't believe that regulators aren't getting financial statements every week from banks about their assets, their liabilities. I can't believe they're not getting that information. Maybe there's not enough regulators to read that stuff, or maybe something nefarious is happening. I don't know, but that's <laughs> just, just kind of weird, if you ask me, okay? You know, that that's where it sits, I think. And so we're, we're in trouble, but you have to take care of yourself, folks, okay? So I have some, let's see here. I have some closing comments, okay, but I guess I just kind of ramble here. So what's the point of all this, okay? Yeah, don't keep any more than 250000 in your bank account. And by the way, I'd be amazed if most people need that, to be perfectly honest with you, okay? But anyway, if you're going to do that, you might want to... It seems like a pretty big amount. You think? We tell folks as financial planners, you ought to have some emergency reserves and, yeah, maybe about maybe six months or a year's worth of income. Why do I need that? If you get unemployed for a year, where's the money coming from? So if you had enough money to cover a year's worth of your expenses in a rainy day fund and never touched it, except if you came unemployed, you're good. Yeah. Okay, so that's an emergency reserves or a rainy day fund. Everybody's 
The size of that should depend on your life and your income. If you're a young family with two working spouses, <clears throat> both of them self-employed, but you need a big one because you never know about business. If you've got a double-income couple who are teachers on tenure, they maybe don't need as much because their income is pretty... They're going to get laid off tomorrow afternoon. The thing. So, yeah, keep your emergency reserves fund in the bank. Never touch it unless it's an emergency and replace it. Keep your checking in the bank. Okay, but anything above that emergency reserves number, that's investment money or that's money for some gold or something they want to buy or save for. Okay, that's not bank money. That's investment money, okay? And you should put that in things that have an opportunity to grow so that you can retire and live happily ever after. Or you can buy that second home because you're saving and investing on it for 10 years. Or for the college educations, things like that. That's investment money. People, Some people just don't look at it that way. And guarantees are comfortable and the stock market's a scary place. No, not long term. Not if you, if you have a perspective about that. But anyway, so, so please do that. And yeah, if you have more than 250 and you have to keep it in a bank, go to a second bank. If you have more than 250, you really got to ask yourself, what am I doing with that money? What do I really need it for? What's my motivation for keeping it there? And should I do something maybe a little bit different than I'm doing? Heck, you can buy 13-week treasury bills for 4%. Granted, they only run for 13 weeks, and you got to buy another one. That's not a bad gig, given the circumstances. Or you can just put it in a bank that has a really good lobby. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah the there you go. Okay, and then the other thing is pe people need to pay more attention to their finances. Kirk, we work with a subset of people if they walked in the door looking for financial advisor, they're probably concerned about their finances, I'm figuring. And that's good. Okay. But there's a whole lot of people that just don't pay a lot of attention to their finances. Okay. Yeah. Life is busy. You're running around like crazy. You're doing your thing. Okay. And oh, by the way, it says guarantee over here. I'm good with that. I'm not going to think about that. We need to take more responsibility for our finances. Lots of people do. N not enough as far as I'm concerned. And I think... It's really a subtle thing. We become more and more dependent on the government to take care of us. Oh, I need that social security payment. payment. I have met and don't, I'm not a conspiracy theory, but I think we're getting more and more dependent and more and more expectant of the government to bail us out and take care of things. That's really dangerous, folks. You take care of yourself and you take care of your family. You try to live your life, okay, so that you don't depend on Social Security or anything and you're retired. But if you start doing that, you live differently. I mean, maybe you don't live as responsibly as you should. Maybe you don't save as much money as you should. Maybe you don't pay much attention. The government is your big brother. They're going to take care of us, right? Now, I, they try, but it's unwise that they do that. But we have this expectation that they're going to take care of us. Okay, and that's... And this expectation that my money's safe in the bank and I'm not worried about it. What? Yeah, what's guaranteed? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and I think about that sometimes when, if somebody mentions, oh, I'm expecting inheritance, right? Yeah. And it's like, you really don't want to plan on that because you don't know if it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And you don't know what it's going to be. And I think it's the same thing with what you're talking about, relying on somebody else yeah. or the government in this case, when there's so many things you can do on your own, you can control what you can control and do your best to save a little bit of money or whatever it is, but don't rely on somebody else because you just don't know. Yeah, I saw a statistic last week. 40% of folks that are retired 
okay, absolutely depend and need the social security that they have. Social security is just designed a long time ago. It's just a crutch for people who didn't save enough money in their own pension fund or this or the other, or who maybe had a huge medical expense and just had a tough time. So it was designed as a backup to people doing stuff on their own. That's not the way it's become over the long run. Let's see, a skeptic with social security is in a bit of trouble. Uh, you know, a, a skeptic would say Medicare is in a bit of trouble. Hello. Yeah, Kirk, you work with a lot younger folks than I do. Are most, what are they, what's their take on social security? Are they planning for it not being there? Are they going to depend on it? Which uh, it's funny, yeah. It's, some people will say, yeah, they don't want to, they don't know if they want to count on it yeah. or rely on it. And I'm not, I guess, call me naive or whatever, but I, I feel like the government will make changes. I know they talked about uh, it being an issue perhaps at some point, but that's only if they do nothing, right? If yep. they do nothing, then yeah, it's in trouble down the road. Yeah, they'll have to do something. It's just unfortunate. Maybe it's just the fact that every four years things might change a little bit, but it's tough to look down the road more than four years, okay, and make some plans because the next person that's going to be president of the next Congress might change that sort of a thing. And so that's, I think it's one of the disadvantages of the way we live. But you'd like to think if we were all smart enough, we could agree on a sensible plan. So with Social Security, that's what they're going to do is a series of little things. Uh, okay, they're going to honor contributions. That's a guess on my part as a percentage. They're going to raise the level of income from which you can contribute. Right now, is it like at 150,000? You pay Social Security up to that, but not anymore. They're gonna they're gonna grab. They're gonna try to grab money any place they can. Okay, and, and by the way, Social Security. You know, the, the, the here's the other thing that that I think about once in a while. Social Security says we have guaranteed money until X went out. That guaranteed money. What do they do with the Social Security income? They make it by Treasury bonds. So there's U.S. government bonds backing up the Social Security. Wait a minute. They're adding more and more government bonds all the time. What about those government bonds? Is this just like a paper entry? There's X amount of, oh, it's safe. They're in United States government bonds. United States government bonds are a lot cheaper than they were two years ago with interest rates rising. Do they have enough money to do that? Backed by the full faith and credit. I hope they are. So they're going to start cashing out some of those bonds. We went over the, I don't know when we go over the, there's enough people paying for it that we have to go into the reserves. But when you go into the reserves, oh, that's going to be more people taking money from the government. Where, where do you think they're going to get the money? If Social Security says, send me over $50 billion, I need it for this year, okay, what do you think the government's going to do? Go borrow $50 billion from someplace else? To, 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 oh, Social Security is safe. Wait a minute, it's not. If they don't have the money, how can it be safe? As long as we, I don't know. I just get bummed out. I'm usually a, a, a happy guy and the world, the glass is half full, but somewhere down the line, we all just got to sit up and say, take care of yourself, take care of your stuff, okay, try to live responsibly. And I guess the last thing I've got, and this, I'm going to say this again, this is very important, okay, okay, there's the, the Standard & Poor's 500 is a list of the 500 biggest companies in America that are publicly traded. Folks, you can own them for 10 bucks tomorrow afternoon in, a, in any kind of mutual fund. Okay, Th those 500 companies, they're big, they've been around forever. They've been through ups and downs and good news and bad news and crashes and recessions. They've been around for a long time. Not all of them, and some of them get replaced from time to time. But you know what? They've been through a thick and thin, and they have to be responsible physically to make money. They have to have cash and savings. They have to make good products and good services. They've been in business for a whole lot. Their balance sheets are a whole lot better than the U.S. government's. 
I don't understand why people are nervous about buying those 500 companies and leaving them alone for the next 10 or 15 years and make money. But anyway, I digress. Kirk, any closing comments or have I said enough or what? What do you think? I was going to say uh, Social Security uh, 2035, I guess. Is 2035. Oh, plenty of time. We can fix that. We got, we got some time. All right. Signing off here from McNamara Financial. Have a great day. 